the Hawk Talk and HGA podcast. You're listening to episode nine, The Power of Visual Merchandising. I'm Alex Jenkins, your host, and I'm joined by three very special guests, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Manning, and I have been working in the industry, visual merchandising industry, for over 20 years now. Joining Harrods, um, Selfridges, Harvey Nichols, and Marks and Spencers. And then um, opening up my own consultancy company, I have worked with the HTA, Alex and Holly, um, offering them visual merchandising training for around six years now. Um, We first of all offered lots of practical training and we're now offering um, a series of online training courses. Thank you. Hi, I'm Maddie Bayfield and I work at Garnet's Gardens, which is a small garden centre in Suffolk. Um, I work in the garden centre itself, as well as a farm shop and the cafe on site. Hi, I'm Celia. Um, I am based at Yarnton Home and Garden. Uh, I was brought in um, about three and a half years ago with a new management team to revive the garden centre, along with a management team, um, a new management team and uh, marketing. Uh, And I've been in retail for far too many years that I care to remember and uh, specialising in visual merchandising for probably like the last 15 years. Thank you so much ladies, thank you very much for agreeing to join us today. So today we'll talk about the power of visual merchandising. So let's kick off with what we think the benefits of visual merchandising really are and what the impact of really positive good visual merchandising can be. And I would say the uh, key thing from obviously working in the industry is that it's not just about making things look pretty, which I feel in the past we've been labelled as a team just to make things look pretty and just a creative team. With working as a consultant and monitoring sales, which have come from effective visual merchandising, we are starting to see increases on an average of 20 to 25%. So I feel that we actually also have a commercial value, which most retailers are now recognizing and it creates a bit more importance to our role. Yes, I agree there, Sarah. Um, I think uh, when I uh, when I took on the challenge of, uh, of the garden center here, um, it was it was a, a very tired uh, centre, but actually what we needed to do was was increase uh, the footfall, increase the offer and the experience. Um, so for me, the the VM side has been not only um, working uh, with the products and how the products are displayed, but also um, about enhancing the environment, the shopping environment for customers. I had uh, I had no brief actually, but um, we made up the brief um, really along the lines of where we wanted the business to go and future proofing, um, all of that side of so uh, for me, the VM is very much about the, the um, environment as well as the products. I find that being a small garden centre, especially because we're limited with what space we have to display things, being more mindful of the visual merchandising means that we'd actually look at trends in advance and know like what people would want and therefore kind of what to buy and how much to buy in. So then we can plan in advance what how much we're going to have, kind of how we're going to display it as well. You know, you've, you've touched on the fact that it actually increases sales. You know, there there is a commercial benefit to it, but there's actually 
a lot more behind that, isn't there? You know, there's the psychology of the customer that comes in and the way that they they see the product and touch the product, shop the product. Very much so. Um, I think, and, and Sarah touched on this, that, you know, up, up until perhaps recently, um, even, you know, uh, even the last couple of years, VM has been seen as, you know, Sarah said, making things pretty. My husband would say that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've said to him, uh, you know, at dinner parties, people have said, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, maybe my husband could answer that. And he said exactly that to people. Oh, she goes, works in the garden centre, makes things look pretty. Um, it's not that at all. There's a huge science behind it. That, that actually is the bit that really excites me. Um, it's the customer flow and the customer journey, but also what is it about uh, how do we make customers actually a come into the into the shop or center? Um, how we actually encourage them to buy into the products as well and to the brand, of course. Yeah, um, I mean, I found that on the visual merchandising course, learning like I found it interesting learning how kind of the use of colors and shapes and textures would kind of impact the atmosphere you created and therefore kind of the impact it would have on the customer and how they felt about what products they're buying. And um, on the courses, we also cover the importance of the four key principles and the four key principles in regards to techniques like symmetrical pyramids and thinking about odd quantities. So repetition, you know, all subconsciously help our customer to be able to see products or see installations, see product merchandising with so much more ease um, that it kind of attracts them at eye level it creates a focal point it draws interest but you know it, it can just promote and really elevate a product what do you think it is now do you think it is that that commercial element that's giving it more kind of kudos as 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 a technique or what do you think is changing that is making people take more notice of visual merchandising um, as a freelance consultant, I have noticed over the past few years, there has been an increase in more companies, probably not typical retailers, um, anyone from, say, exhibitions um, to maybe online companies, e-commerce companies, you know, who are kind of now taking an interest in this area. I feel that they are aware of the commercial possibilities of it. But I think also if we start to maybe look at industry insiders like Mary Porter's, and she's obviously been talking about all of this in her podcast, which is the kindness economy. If anyone wants to have a look at that, you can find that on Apple Podcasts. Um, she's been talking quite a lot, particularly over the last couple of years, about this multi-sensory experience and that, you know, to be able to draw customers to come back to, to store. Um, and Celia was obviously talking about this earlier on in regards to the environment, but also creating theatre, entertainment, that could be through hospitality, through sensory experiences, which obviously garden centres all encompass that, you know, is, is really important. So I feel that lots of companies and brands now recognise that actually it's the VM team who helped to create that, that amazing experience in store. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, one issue that we've had, certainly in the past, and Sarah, you can you can um, probably talk about this a little bit more as well, after uh, the training courses that we've delivered at the HCA, is that people learn all these techniques and they have all this enthusiasm and this knowledge and they want to, you know, apply it in their own business. 
but quite often they then meet this wall from above that doesn't understand all the things that we've just been talking about that benefit do you think that's changing do you think more people are taking notice of it do you think what can we do to kind of stop that being a problem um to allow people to really implement visual merchandising to kind of the most effective level I think um, if I can just uh, say, I think that's something that I've certainly come across um, in uh, the garden centre that I'm now working in. Um, it's been a garden centre that's been uh, here for sort of 40 odd years. It started life as a nursery, um, growing, you know, plants and, and all the rest. It started growing vegetables for the colleges in Oxford, for instance. Um, it's seen a lot of change. Um, but needed, needed a big new look, really, to be able to um, bring it into the, the market, the competitive market that we're now in. It's been quite a journey bringing on a team who have been used to um, doing things a certain way, that have been here for many years, but also trying to explain why it is that we're doing it. Um, and that's actually been absolutely key. And then showing people giving them the opportunity to to see how they can actually influence the business going forward by by doing the visual merchandising basically so teaching people why we're doing it how we're doing it as we're going along and they're then able to actually do something physical to help with that bigger picture yeah I mean I think especially like well-established businesses because they've been going for so long they might not recognize that there is a problem in the way they're yeah. doing things and therefore kind of if someone is there to say, like, we could be doing it in this way, it, it introduces that creativity to think, right, how can we change things visually to like, make sales better? Yes, yes. And also attracting, um, particularly with the garden centres, I think as well, it's attracting that younger gardeners, the families we've seen this over COVID. You know, we've got a much younger generation uh, of people who see images on, on social media, Instagram, Pinterest all the time, who almost come to expect that. Yeah. But the juxtaposition of moving that on from the traditional model is actually quite a difficult one. But I think, you know, that's the exciting bit, really. Yeah, I think especially younger people are looking for things that are like aspirational, inspirational. So if there are those displays kind of in store that do catch their interest, yeah. they're more likely to buy those products. Whereas if you walked in, everything's just flat and plain. You wouldn't necessarily think, oh, gosh, I want to like recreate that in my own life. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. And um, I think that that then, uh, you know, it's a lot more impulse purchases that they're making, um, particularly with the plants, I would say. Um, they don't necessarily need to know all about what plants they are to a certain degree. But what we're trying to do is hook them into something and actually buy something that they're seeing on an impulse purchase rather than knowing what particular plant they're, they're coming in to buy. But then we've got the hook for them. They can see, see how lovely it's making everything look at home with balconies, um, you know, all of that. And the RHS, for instance, has uh, promoted that um, this year with the affordable garden so by bringing the youngsters in um, we do need through the end to actually attract them as well so it's absolutely key I think that's a good point I think also with um, not only my own work but also on the courses as well it's um, I mean obviously the online ones are part theory part practical and as part of the practical examples and, and tasks, we um, ask the attendees to create areas like hotspots, which would be like your first area in store. And I think even if you could maybe work with a small space in the garden centre, 
have a look at it, monitor it. I've personally always seen increases in sales quite quickly. Um, I don't know, Maddie and Celia, be interesting just to ask you that. But I would say on average, uh, sort of a week, two weeks, you are starting to see those increases happening. And I feel that if you can prove that in kind of one small area and they see the increases in sales and the increase in kind of customer reaction and then more than likely to kind of then allow you to then branch off and to be able to you know increase and and move into other areas as such we've actually seen that Sarah haven't we on one of our practical courses pre-covid when we were I don't know if you remember we were merchandising a gifting table that didn't have much love and before we'd even finished merchandising it, the product was being taken off the table quicker than we could then merchandise it on the, That's on the right. table. I, I found that as well when I was doing the visual merchandising course and we had to do like hotspots. I had customers kind of taking things off my display as I was putting them on. <laughs> so you kind of have to be quick in what you're doing. Yes, I mean, definitely. I also found that like when you were doing that, less people were asking questions about like where things were like if we stopped things because we put things because we're thinking about it more what we were doing we placed things or put better signage so people actually knew where things were without us having to keep kind of showing people around And um, all of that was quite evident with uh, Kems and Fert. So we actually had a class during the online course, which was covering Kems and Fert, which is obviously a, quite a tricky product to make look interesting. And lots of the practical um, examples were really exhibiting much more shoppable, easy to shop areas. And I feel that customers can then find what they're looking for a lot quicker. It's also appealing that product to a much more broader audience as well. I think um, uh, I know, you know, my team have done your course there and I know they found it really interesting. And actually it's opened their eyes, even though they've been doing it. Uh, one of them in particular has been doing it for a long time. Um, it's very useful. What I found then is that actually from that, they're then uh, helping other members of the team. Um, which is is lovely to see actually so that that's really helpful that's fantastic um yeah the other thing I would say is that um you know with with a lot of stuff what's really nice as you say with the hot spots is that's a, a key thing that we can do is to work with uh with team members and just show them get them the chance show them the principles get them to do that work with them to do the display and then you can stand back and they can watch that being shocked so it's a very, very easy way of showing people the importance of what we're doing and why we're doing something, mm-hmm. which is really, really useful for me, I think. Now, with like the limited experience I have, that like say when other members of staff are doing displays, I feel confident now in saying, well, have you thought about doing it like this or why are you doing it like that kind of thing? And then trying to kind of explain what I have learned and seeing if that could be implemented in what they're doing as well. Yeah. I think what's also really important is that these techniques, these visual merchandising techniques, are universal. So we're talking about it in the garden centre here, but it doesn't matter whether you're doing it in the farm shop or the garden centre or with chems and ferts or plants or, you know, whatever store it might be. It's really interesting to see that you apply these principles on something and it will completely change the way the customer interacts with it. And that, you know, that is a really important message. Yes. And actually, you know, that again is key, Alex, there, um, because a good visual merchandise, it's the same principle, a good visual merchandise should be able to make anything sell. 
that's why we're here. Don't put the pressure on, Celia. Well, you know, <laughs> no, but it's true, isn't it? It's true. Um, you know, in the old days when we had fishmongers and things, you know, um, and the high street, you know, we could see the beautiful displays they were doing. And so, you know, more in the supermarkets now, but, um, you know, they're, they're there to sell this specialist knowledge, but to make things look attractive for the customers to buy. And, and they will then sell what they're what they're doing making their livelihoods out of so it's hugely important it's, it's interesting we also cover um quite a lot about link selling and this connection of products which obviously we're talking about but you know if anyone is having a listen of this you know just creating those link selling techniques in your hotspot where you're connecting products up all together as a package um it's so interesting how you're you're straight away see customers wanting to come in and buy into that whole package of products and you know as Alex has just said that can work for food that can work for chems mm-hmm. and ferts planting mm-hmm. homeware fashion if you put a plant in a nice plant pot and I see them together I can guarantee you as a customer I'll pick both of them up absolutely (laughs) you know that's what we want isn't it absolutely it's storytelling and you know getting people to buy into the whole story you know that's what's so so wonderful about it and do you think that um customers expectations have changed do you think the huge increase in social media and platforms on social media like tiktok and instagram which are image and video heavy and places I suppose like Ikea where it's all very much lifestyle based the displays where you know you can see it as it might be in your own home do you think that's changed the customer's expectation when they when they're shopping yeah I mean if you're used to seeing all these ideal kind of images online I thought if you went somewhere and it wasn't displayed very well or wasn't well laid out you'd be less likely to shop it because it's it's not what you you're kind of looking for based on what you've seen yes i think i think that very much it's it's almost a detrimental we've um so Bryony and i are um our marketing manager here she and i have worked very very closely and i think this is another key point to make is that out there on the social side of things people are getting an image of the business and then perhaps looking at these these images so instagram for instance we have a lot of compliments about the wonderful job that brownie's done with that what she's said to me right at the beginning is you need to give me something to market you know so i uh, what we can't have is the customers looking at all of that and thinking oh we'll go there because it looks fantastic and then coming into store and then having a huge underwhelm yeah. So, you know, there's a there's a really big um, opportunity and actually something I think, you know, we're, we're all a lot more aware of um, is the fact that the image of our brand out there with the customers online has to be represented in store as well. I think you're right with like the e-commerce stuff, like the online stuff, because if your website is like your shop window, if then, that then doesn't translate into your business, it's not like a consistent thing running through everything. Yeah, so that's been a big, a big challenge for me actually. With a big garden centre, is to keep, is to keep her fed, if you like, and keep that channel <laughs> with the consistent keep that information of communication going. Yes, yes. So, and equally, you know, as professionals, you know, we also need to make sure that what is going out online is also representative of what we our standards. I think, I mean, also over the past two years, you know, we have seen an increase in the type of people who are actually accessing online 
content now and I think most customers even if they are that slightly older customer you know I think they are quite confident online and you know happy to look at um, Facebook pages and Instagram you know so it's kind of sort of covering a whole multitude of different customer profiles um, it's interesting because we actually cover e-commerce on the online courses and it's really interesting from a, a principal point of view that actually a lot of the practical principles that you can apply on the shop floor, you can actually transfer those straight over to the e-commerce side and also connect them with the Instagram and obviously uh, Facebook as well. One time of year where a customer comes to a garden centre to see the visual merchandising alone. And I'm going to say it, it's the C word, it's Christmas. <laughs> um, but you do, I, you know, I do it. You go you go to the garden centre because you want to see the Christmas displays as much as you want to buy them and do everything else. Like It's exciting to see them all looking fantastic. Is Christmas a huge pressure? Like, where, where do we stand with Christmas? How do you feel about it? that by the time one Christmas comes around you're already kind of having to figure out what the trends will be for the next year and try and buy for that so it's like you're always kind of trying to catch up with the next Christmas yes and particularly if you're involved with the buying side which um which I am which I actually find helps me uh with the VM side and putting the Christmas department together um that is absolutely uh, key there I actually did my first Christmas order for this coming Christmas on the 8th of December last year so um but we know what sells what's selling what we've still got left um you know with the supply issues that we've had as well that's uh, that's absolutely more key this year is to plan ahead I actually find it kind of really interesting how, you know, I mean, as if I speak as a customer, I feel like, you know, I want to come and shop Christmas more from the garden centres than I would from the high street now. Mm -hmm. So it feels like, you know, it's such a huge opportunity for all of you, really, because, you know, you've got that trust element, you've got that local element. And I feel people can come to you and purchase everything, really, can't they, from anything from a hamper to Christmas decorations. Do you find that um, at Christmas, because you know that people are coming in to buy a lot of these items, you get a more free reign to be more creative and there's less there's less pushback from above to to do the things that you want to do are you able to kind of do more I, yes very definitely Christmas is a VM thing um, people you know within the within the company people sort of almost expect that that's going to happen um, that we're going to cause a huge amount of disruption and <laughs> it's all going to be absolutely wonderful you know um, we have uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure financially at this time of the year. Um, so they seem quite happy to leave that to us in a way. They all know what hard work it is. So they're all more than happy to leave it to us. Yes, I would definitely say. Yeah, there is definitely that bit of pressure because you know that the customer is expecting it to look or be a certain way. What I found is because we're a limited space, we kind of tend to get everything out so it can be bought and then work on kind of making the displays kind of after that which may be the wrong way around of doing it but it's always that trick isn't it when you've got some um, some beautiful table displays and then you think actually 
actually where I'd actually really like to hang something over that table. It means I've got to take all of that off yeah, to then exactly. go on and add. You're, you're teetering over the top of the table thinking, am I going to just, you know, make this a complete disaster? But um, yes, it's always that space where you need it, where you've got a sudden that you've got a table underneath. So it is, uh, it is quite a juggle. Have you ever seen a particular display or is there a particular brand or something that you have just seen and gone do you know what that's it for me that's the pinnacle of visual merchandising that's I mean Sarah you've worked with some incredible brands and I've seen some of the windows that you've created and you obviously you've just come back from Chelsea so that's a really good example but Chelsea is an amazing place for um, inspiration and um, we were sort of just talking earlier on about how the trade stands, particularly the level of product presentation, visual merchandising has massively come on in the past few years. I don't know if mm. you agree, Celia, but yes, you absolutely. can really see that really evident, you know, that people are looking at how to make their brands and their product more aspirational. Um, Chelsea is is an amazing place for theatre and inspiration, you know, so obviously people are coming along to be able to have that expectation. But I feel even with those smaller gardens and the smaller trade stands, they are producing some brilliant um, examples of BM. Mm. Um, One example I saw yesterday was the Selfridges Jacquemus installation, which is obviously, you know, looking at it from a more of a sort of department store And we kind of cover this on the courses, but the whole pop-up shop element, I think, is quite interesting just to look at, just for um, ideas of how you can create the sensory experience. So Jacquemus have worked with smell, sound, experience. They've got a 24-hour vending machine, which has also been installed in Milan and Paris. You know, so I would say as an example, currently out there on the high street selfridges is is a very very good example where they they are creative but they're also creating that aspirational appeal to draw the customer to come to shop in person i was also gonna say about the um, pop-up shops because we spoke about those on the visual merchandising course and i guess it really shows what you can do one like seasonally like how easily they can change what they're doing and switch it over depending on what what's the trend or what's the season but also kind of how well they can display things um visually like in such a small space and then keep keeping it current for the customers as well yes i think i think the beauty of pop-ups is that um you know for for customers they've actually got that constant change which actually helps us um Mm -hmm. as you know as established retailers it that helps a lot we've actually got a a small pop-up at the garden center actually which we um we started as an initiative really because i had a bit too much space um and uh we felt that after lockdown a lot of these smaller companies um that were sort of established around kitchen tables actually could do with a bit of you know what vm help as much as anything and to to try and help them with their um, with their businesses and you know to teach them a bit about footfall we called it our under the wing initiative which has really taken off but what i find more than anything is actually the the most advice that we can give them is about how they can display um their products and actually they very very quickly learn that by displaying their products you know well and the reasoning behind it their actual sales will increase 
And I think that's a key message for us is that, you know, the, the guys that or the, the big retailers that know how to do this and the bigger companies, it's absolutely amazing what they do. Um, it really is. But then that can also transpire to the smaller businesses as well. Talking about the size of the business, about budgets. I know Sarah talks about the way that you can use props and recycle things and stuff on, on the training. But, you know, these big brands that do it really, really well, have obviously got mm-hmm. quite a large visual merchandising budget. What would you say are, you know, are some tips or ideas or how do you feel about the fact that you can actually do some pretty incredible things with not much I feel as though as a smaller business we tend to have less props available but then on the flip side of that that can make you kind of more creative in what you're doing because you think right I've already done it this way you think right what else can I do and I guess it makes you think harder into it that's absolutely I think uh, the less you have to work with well actually no not less you have to work with but I think that's probably the creativity side of, of what we do is that we we all work with what we've got yeah so um whether it's a massive big budget or a tiny budget um it it's what you do with it that is is the most important most effective yeah I would completely agree there I think you know if you want to have a look at um other brands you know who create a lot of their own props for windows for installations in store i walked past anthropology yesterday they had used recycled paper you know so if you're looking for inspiration you know try to to have a look at some of the high street brands who are doing that and there's some great inspiration via instagram and pinterest you know to be able to 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 help you but i mean you know there's so much for example even if you've got some um pallets or crates you know anything like that can be reused over and over over again and you you know you can sort of really create some real magical um installations just by having just some some key key pieces but also just add to that that um i think anywhere that you can get your inspiration from um what's key about that is is how you interpret it in your environment Mm-hmm. So you can look at, I look at anthropology, I was just bowled over the first time I went to the first anthropology, I was so excited because I thought, yes, they're putting BM on the map. And actually, from there, I think we've seen now this huge, um, as you say, huge increase in um, acknowledging what we do, um, and store environment and how we can, um, how we help that for, for business to develop businesses. But some also about how we then interpret all this inspiration that you get from all over the place how it's actually how we interpret it in our environments i think also you know just looking at things like customer flow the customer's journey you know even just changing sort of locations of departments and products and opening up walkways and maybe adding more permit signage for example you know all those small things you don't always have to have lots of props and you know huge budgets you can have a kind of impact just by applying principles to floor plans for example or just creating a great hotspot with products doing a customer flow exercise even within like part of our shop and garden center show kind of one section where not that many people went at all so now we've kind of switched it around and people seem to be flowing through like the whole site and therefore kind of looking at all the products we have to offer 
corners, like say in the back of the centre that weren't very shopped, we put things that didn't really matter because they weren't getting shopped. But then now I think thinking about it more, we're putting things that people will want to shop at the back and therefore they have to travel through the whole kind of centre to get to them. See, I, I pay attention, Sarah. I got that right, wasn't it? It's a That's very that. good. I'm very impressed, you know. And I mean, I'm, I've obviously really impressed <laughs> Addie's just recently come on our course. So you had your, your last class in, in April, yeah. you know, and it's really great to hear that you're actually yeah. seeing improvements to these areas, um, you know, already and that you can see them actually happening in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think because, like, other people know that I'm kind of looking out for things now it's making them think about it more because they don't want me to pick them up on it (laughs) very good and it just shows how you know kind of online training you know okay the actual presentation side of it is obviously all online but it just shows that actually it can be applied very practically after the course during the course you know and as a point that we talked about earlier on you can then pass on uh, that knowledge to other people in your team in store to be able to create those sort of um, same consistent messages across the whole business and I mean even without the face-to-face like without the in-person I should say interaction in the course because we were being set assignments a couple of times a month it meant that we were doing the practical element of it and then because we were coming back and talking about it, we could see what we had done well and then what we could do better the next time we try and do that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's key. I think also um, the actual sharing of best practice with other HDA members um, was also very important and also helpful as well. It's very exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled, you know, to hear this, this wonderful, lovely young lady who's just, you know, learned so much on, on just from an online course it's just it's fabulous thank you and I mean obviously credit to um kind of Maddie and everyone else that's come um on Mm. the courses because they've all worked really hard at the practical elements so it's great to hear that you're seeing all those results coming through thank you I think one thing that those working in VM should get more recognition for is that when you're merchandising these areas these shoppable areas you're constantly having to merchandise them because as soon as they're shot you're having to do it again it's a constant battle of making it look that way so that it's always shoppable and I don't think quite often people realize actually how much hard work that is it is um it is relentless actually um and we're sort of uh, we're probably victims of our own success to a certain degree <laughs> um, you know there's nothing i always say you know it'd be if, if we do a night shift for instance the shop looks absolutely amazing you know but that's when i need the photographer to come in and take the photographs <laughs> for instagram you know um within you know within 20 minutes you know particularly with hotspots or, or particularly you know things that we're promoting or, or all sorts of things like that within minutes that whole display and all that hard work has <laughs> almost been you know was I'm not say ruined because that's it's doing its job but on the other hand you know I keep thinking oh no and one of my colleagues for instance like oh no don't let the customers near it don't let the customers near it I'm really proud of this <laughs> um, so it's uh yeah it is uh it would be we'd have a very wonderful looking lot of guard centers and shops if we didn't have our customers but then on the other hand that's what 
that's what we're doing it for. So, you know. <laughs> you know, is your camera roll just full of pictures of the beautiful displays you make before they're shopped? Um, I've currently actually, you won't believe this, I've currently got 30,000 photographs on my camera roll. That's <laughs> more than mine, that, I think. Most of, yeah, like you, Sarah, as well, I can imagine. So um, most of that is work-related and, and images and yes. inspiration and <laughs> all of that. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all of that is 100% proof, though, that what you're implementing is working. And it's working not even after a week. It's working straight after afterwards isn't it it's, yes. it's, it's a media yes and that's actually what's so exciting for the staff you know they can see that immediate response and actually conversely if it's not being shot and it still looks exactly the same within a week then we have a problem we need to address it so you know it's 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 a wonderful way of of learning about your business and your customers so to finish off what's your favorite thing to merchandise do you have a product or a, a range of products or a type of thing that you actually go, I really, really enjoy doing this? You'll probably think that I'm just saying this and I'm really not. I've just had two weeks out in our plants department. <laughs> um, it's a normal thing for us, obviously, with Chelsea, um, Chelsea week coming up. You know, we like to replicate what, we've, what we're seeing on the TV as well. You know, I like to have my, our own little version of Chelsea Flower Show in the garden centre that customers can easily relate to. I've absolutely loved it. And to be quite honest, I'd be quite happy to work out there all all the time. Having done the visual merchandising course, I enjoyed kind of having the opportunity to merchandise, say like the plants and stuff, where you're getting to use different colours and textures and shapes and getting to be more creative, I guess, than you would be with just say like tea and cake indoors. (laughs) I have to say, when I first joined Harrods, I was part of the food hall team. So um, they had a, they obviously have a huge food hall at Harrods. So that was my main training. And I do always have a passion for um, sort of displaying food, 3D products. Um, I really like working with hospitality as well. I think it's interesting if you have a look at 3D products, you can really sort of make those look very much more exciting. Whereas if you're dressing fashion, you can obviously dress it on a mannequin, but you can't really kind of go that extra mile with it. Whereas I feel with home accessories, furniture, which I've got a huge passion for um, interiors, um food you know it's you can make it look so exciting and you can bring that theater into that product presentation which um i absolutely love so i've got a real joy for creating beautiful asymmetrical groups and i have to say that all comes from my my harrods training thank you very much to my three special guests today um, I hope you've really enjoyed listening. This has been Hawk Talk, episode nine, the power of visual merchandising. And I think that you can all agree from the passion of these three ladies that it is a really powerful tool to use within our industry. Our next episode will be episode 10 on women in horticulture. But for now, stay safe, everyone. Take care.